Why do we have the faith that we have today? Why do we have the truth that we can lean on today? Because men precisely did that. They didn't plead ignorance. They didn't stay in temptation and they refused to be intimidated. And they said, fine, you can take my flesh. You can take my blood. You can take everything from me, but you will not take my soul. I'm drawing the line in the sand and this is what I stand up for and I believe in. And then this is what carries on and echoes throughout the ages. Everyone, thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are your hosts, Devin Shaw and John Heinen. You might notice that Sam Guzman is not here today. Please keep him in your prayers. He is unfortunately sick, but he'll be back next week, God willing. And uh, we're looking forward to obviously having him on uh, the show. He brings a lot to uh, our dialogue. Um, so today we're going to discuss enemies that are destroying your spiritual life. We're going to go into a handful of them. And in that style, we're going to be kind of talking about like, you know, Sometimes it seems like when you're engaging with God, it's fruitless or just confusing. Maybe you just never hear his voice. Or you feel like he's not responding to you. Perhaps you have not been able to get ahead after years of trying and struggling. And there are reasons why, and we want to go into those today. We also get to answer a question from one of our listeners about how to balance a very successful but um, time-intensive career with having a family. He's not there yet, uh, but he's concerned about it, and I am grateful for that question. Uh, and then finally, if you like what you're hearing on this episode, we go into a more extended edition every single week over at the Catholic Gentleman Plus. The Catholic Gentleman Plus is our membership program. It's a great way of supporting what we do. Every single month, we come out with a new session. This month's session is on spiritual warfare. Last month was on outward appearance. The month before that was on humility. We're also going to be coming out with St. Joseph and, and, um, uh, chastity, and a lot of other things uh, this year. We're really excited to provide those. We have guest experts. I just found out that uh, Father Ambrose Christie, uh, there with the Norbertines, and um, an incredible priest, um, exorcist, is going to be on our um, mm -hmm. membership program in the month of February this month here. So thanks be to God for that. Great way to support us. Head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. And finally, we want to reach more and more men like you that are striving for holiness. So please hit that subscribe button. Hit that um, five stars on Apple or Spotify if you were listening last week. I, I, I did. I didn't say four or five stars. We're looking for five stars. We really want this to get to more men, and, and you guys can help make that possible. And then finally, if you didn't hear our... Um, interview, or sorry, your conversation last week about uh, how to have a perfect strategy and structure or the best strategy and structure for Lent, head over to that last uh, episode. But we still have copies of Jesus's Way here. This is Devin's book, actually. It's an incredible guide for men that's going to go incrementally through helping you grow in holiness and become a new man, not just in Lent, but beyond. So please head over there. So now, finally, diving into this topic <laughs> after that uh, extensive introduction. Thanks for staying with us if you're still here. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, why men need to know these enemies that are keeping them down from their spiritual progress and spiritual life. And I've got some thoughts of my own, but I'm actually going to just pivot it over to you, Devin, to, mm. to help us lay the groundwork here on why this is so important and why we need to be aware of this. Well, I think first of all, we all want to be successful. We all want to have a great life. We all want to feel like we're firing on all pistons. And so we want peace. We want joy. We want to be successful at our work. But, you know, I think 
a lot of times we just look at the spiritual life as something that's kind of way over there. You know, I fulfill my Sunday obligation. I tithe a little bit. I'm good. You know, and then I've got all this that we call life over here. Well, it's actually kind of the opposite. If we really want that success, if we really want that joy, that peace, if we want that life, that vitality, we've got to surrender to God. We've got to allow him in and we got to allow him to do his work. And so we need a framework for that. God is very practical. I like to say that all that is theological, God wants to make practical Mm. so that that which is practical in our lives can then lead us back to the theological, back to God. It's exitus reditus, the exit and return, you know, that the theologians talk about. So God wants his power, his love, his creativity, his life to become very practical in ours. So the Lord is going to provide us a way today. We're going to talk about this to access that for the spiritual life, because the spiritual life is both. And it's a, it's a very human life. It's a very practical life, but the underpinning of it is our spirituality, right? Amen. It's so good. I'm really appreciative of that. I think um, immediately that's why we are coming out with this podcast is exactly that is to bring down the theological and make it practical. I talk about finding the way to adopt this and bring this into our very life and not keep it up here because that's where we meet God and that's where Christ is. And that's where he can transform us through that process. I also think about why we in a way, throughout the last five years or so at The Catholic Gentleman, is we have really focused on three pillars of a Catholic man. And those pillars are the spiritual life, self-mastery, and our relationships with others, because those are things that broke at the fall. But as you were just mentioning, that spiritual life, if it is not there, the relationships aren't going to matter. The self-mastery is not going to be possible. We have to have our spiritual life intact And I just really appreciate the way that you brought that up. And when I was reflecting on this framework, it's because we want to be men. We want to be authentic men. And there's a way to do that. And there's a lot of Mm. missteps in that. Yeah, so we live in a culture where there are a lot of children pretending to be men. And by that, I mean, right? There's a lot of kids that are pretending to be fathers, that are pretending to be husbands, that are pretending Mm. to be politicians, that are um, pretending to be influencers or even church ministers. There's a lot of kids that are, you know, um, biologically mature enough, but not spiritually or emotionally mature enough to be a man and be the man that God wants them to be and that the world needs. And that's why we bring this back up. So I really think that that was an awesome starting point, Devin. So I appreciate you mentioning that because it is exactly why this is so important for us Mm -hmm. men. Yeah. So I think that one other caveat to that is that, look, for for most people, I understand that we've got this um, cultural phenomenon of atheism and, you know, on the rise and the knowns and all this stuff, you know, Uh, but let's face it, most people deep down recognize that there's a power source, let's just say God. And if you want your life, if you really want your life to be great, you got to have his mind. And so today, what we'd like to do is reveal his way of thinking and get into that framework because there's two minds, in a sense, in the battle. There's going to be the the mind of the diabolical, and there's going to be the mind of God. And God's mind is going to give us a power that's beyond anything we can ever imagine. Yeah, so I do. I think this is so important. And I think about my own life here as a cradle Catholic, you know, born and raised Catholic. And as I finally started getting into my faith when I was in college, it was uh, confusing 
it was kind of overwhelming, you know, and I would fall in love with something here and I'd fall in love with something here. And then I would struggle with something here and I'd struggle with something there. And I didn't really have a systematic approach or I didn't have a really a, a step-by-step guide. Right. And so I always described my, my spiritual journey and at least in theology or apologetics or what have you as something that was like a puzzle that I just kept on losing pieces and trying and <laughs> finding a new piece and being like, oh, now all these other ones make sense, or that's why his face didn't look that way, because I didn't have that piece. And um, I didn't go to school for theology or for a degree in any of that. And I I didn't have a spiritual director that was able to give me kind of that checklist. Um, that came later, but um, but there was still this sort of lived and learned experience that was then kind of falling away the old man as this as this new learned experience and then understanding okay so now we believe that like for instance that we have to ask for the three theological virtues they are a 100% total gift from god but we have to request them from god i don't even remember hearing that and now we're mm. we're years into my my spiritual journey um my active spiritual journey i'll say that and then i find that out and i'm like oh goodness i wish i had known that from the beginning you know mm-hmm. and that was just kind of my experience and so i i know devin you said something earlier um not on this episode but in in previous conversations that that we want to take an aerial view of of the spiritual life and of the enemies yeah. that are attacking and i'd love to hear your thoughts briefly on that before we dive into these um, yes yeah. so, so there are there are countless satanic enemies that are, you know, working tirelessly to make our life <clears throat> banal, uh, lifeless, and fruitless. And they're multifaceted. And traditionally, we've had a great deal of help from the church that identify these enemies. You know, you've got the seven deadly sins, the three enemies of the, the world, the flesh, the devil. You know, St. Paul lists a whole bunch in Ephesians. But I think a lot of times when we're, okay, so right now I'm wrestling with lust or right now I'm wrestling with anger and we kind of lose track of why this is happening. And it's like being in hand-to-hand combat and you're like, okay, right now I'm wrestling with anger and I'm fighting this battle. And so today what I'd like to do is, or I'd like us to do is I'd like to get in the chopper, get out of that hand-to-hand combat. And maybe we were not going to focus particularly on lust or on pride or avarice, but what we're going to do is we're going to get in the chopper and we're going to get the bird's eye view of the battle, the war. What is really happening? What is Satan's chief strategies or enemies that he's using against us. And so that's my hope today is we can get above, get that bird's eye view and understand his strategy, understand these chief enemies and we get a framework. And here's why it's so helpful because it helps us to identify where we're most weak and what is occurring in the moment of wrath or lust or greed, what is it happening on the big picture in our spiritual life? How is it that the devil is operating and how do I get out of that? Or how do I defeat that and overcome that? So it's a, really today what we're gonna do is we're gonna find out how the evil one is operating on a very high level. And then we're gonna figure out how we can combat that. Yeah, I love it. So we're basically going to take a look at the puzzle as a whole instead of yes. getting stuck with the nice. pieces. And uh, yeah, well, the combat's a better analogy, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but uh, I just had to connect that too. So yeah, I think that's awesome. And so I think, again, some basics for the framework that I want to talk about right here to set the stage is that the Catholic Church has all the answers. And I've, I've said that frequently. I'm going to say that over and over and over again. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter your faith journey. The Catholic Church has all 
all the answers for you. You just have to be humble enough. You have to empty yourself enough to really experience them and get the fruits of that. Finally, I'd like to say that Mm. we have to recommit ourselves to learning these things. So maybe you just heard me talk about the three theological virtues. Don't be frustrated if in six months you're reminded of that and you remember, oh, you heard it six months ago on a podcast and you didn't take action on that. We have to constantly, the spirit is always moving in our lives. He's always reminding us. He's always guiding us along with that. And we always have to be growing in virtues. But the church has a list of all the virtues. She's gone through all of these struggles and all of these difficulties in the last 2,000 years from Christ on. And we are so blessed uh, to have that at our disposal. And then finally, and I think that this is the big one that I'm going to pass off to you, Devin, Mm -hmm. is that we have Christ as our example, right? He is the epitome of all. He is our all in all. And he is the reason why we do what we do and how to learn and how to grow and how to become like him. So, yeah, he's the teacher. He's the genius. You know, he is, as we say, the master philosopher, the master theologian. And so he understands us through and through and he understands spirituality and he knows how to make it very practical. And that's why I think his parables are so powerful. And even if you are tuning in here and you are a secularist, or even if you don't really think that you're a Christian or don't really believe in Christ per se as a resurrected God, man, that's okay. Because this is a great starting place where you can look at this and you go, wow, there's so much wisdom in here for me practically right now. And I think where I'd like to go with this is to talk about where we find Jesus unveiling, if you will, the enemies and the spiritual battle, believe it or not, is in the parable of the seed and the sower. So I would really love to dive into that. I'd like you to bring that up too. Um, I think you're going to provide a lot in, in, in a new way of listening to that parable that, that comes up just every year in mass. And so uh, that's exciting. So another thing, uh, just to kind of give you an idea, we're going to talk about four um, enemies that are destroying your spiritual life today. And those four enemies are going to be ignorance, right? That's going to be one of them. Then we're going to go in, we're going to talk about fear. And then we're going to go in and we're going to talk about distractions. And then the final one that we're going to talk about is just kind of self-righteousness, kind of pride. And um, and Devin, you had uh, used a different word for that, right? Yeah, isolation. Was, isolation, exactly. Yeah. And so those are the four ones that we are going to dialogue about today. And, um, and with that, are we comfortable jumping into the first one of ignorance? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we could set it up too with the right. parable of the seed and the sower. You know, I mean, uh, most of us have heard it a million times, but there are four, there's a sower and he sows this seed and some of it falls on the wayside. Some of it falls on the rocky soil. Some of it falls on fruitful soil. It begins to come up and then it's choked out. And then some falls on fruitful soil and actually bears fruit. So this is kind of the setup of the parable. And Jesus, what's he saying? You know, he's talking about that seed and that seed, he says in explain is the word of God. But what is that word of God doing once it's planted? It's faith. And this is something that you can't hardly turn a page in the New Testament without coming across this theme of faith. Faith is everywhere. Let it be done to you as you believe. Your faith has healed you. Blessed are you who have not seen, but believed, you know, and it's all over the place. In fact, today's passage we hear in Nazareth, they didn't have faith in him. And because they didn't have faith in him, he was powerless to help them. 
So this is so powerful for us right here is that we have got to have faith and faith is more than an intellectual ascent. I think we've talked about before, if I'm on top of a building and it's burning down and the EMTs come with that net, I can believe all I want. There's a net, it can sustain my weight, but if I don't have faith enough to jump, that is trust enough to jump, I'm dead. So faith has two parts, intellectual, but then also action of trust. So the seed of faith comes by the word of God. And, you know, Romans 9, or was it Romans 9? Romans 10 talks about how will they come to believe unless someone who preaches? So yeah. that's where we're at right now with this seed of faith. And I think we could go right into that first, uh, I guess that first chief enemy or that that first chief tactic of the devil is ignorance. And that I call it temptation because if you look at what's going on in the parable of seed and sower, you've got the seed that falls by the wayside. And Jesus says that seed that falls by the wayside, it's taken by the birds of the air before it even gets lodged in the soil. And what is that? He says, the birds are a symbol of the devil that steal the seed of the word, the seed of faith. Okay. So how does this happen? It happens in two ways. First of all, we need to ask ourselves, did God give the seed? Yeah. Is he generous? Yes, because I think our world will say, well, God doesn't give me anything. You know, God isn't communicating to me. No, no, God is giving the seed. He's speaking to us all. The question is, is does man receive it? No, and why is that? Because there's two factors. There are those who fail to teach and preach, and there are those who are unwilling to be taught. And I would also say in today's world, with the technology as it is, it is very hard to remain truly invincibly ignorant with the technology that's out there and all the episodes, all the podcasts, all the shows, everything that's talking about faith in Jesus Christ, et cetera. So I think that yes, one is a sin of others, but the other is a sin of choice. We often yeah. choose to be ignorant. Yeah, I love it. I really appreciate you breaking that, um, making that divide there because honestly, We'll talk about it when we get to number four, but um, it's easy to hear that and think about everyone else. It's easy to hear this parable and immediately mm -hmm. think about everyone else. Um, oh, yep, yep, I know that guy. Yep, definitely. He 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 doesn't want to believe, you know, he's intentional. But I love how you're bringing this up, or other faiths, sorry, that's another thing, is, is you start thinking about other faith religions outside of Catholicism and um, and that that ignorance that they have and the unwillingness to have, have meaningful dialogues. And we get them in the comm boxes pretty much every day. Um, but it's easy to say, oh, yeah, that was the seed, they're the seed that was thrown by the, the wayside. Instead of what you're saying is, turning it to ourselves, right? How many within the church are born and raised Catholic or even converted to Catholicism, but don't want to do the heavy lifting or don't want to do the work of growing in faith? They don't want to yes. do the work of showing up and spending time and learning to better understand this stuff. They compartmentalize it to something that's done on Sundays only. They prefer to stay in their ignorance because it allows them to um, do all their sports, um, make all their money, and um, watch all their videos that they want to do instead of actually doing the hard work. And it's easy, again, sounds like I'm pointing towards other people, but I assure you, listeners, that I'm pointing to myself as well. Like there are moments in my very life that I've been fighting with for years that are these moments of um, 
uh, allowed ignorance or um, allowing this priority of something other than learning and other than growing in faith and other than trusting in God to take priority in my life. And I think that that is something that's so key for us to look at, right? Um, and and then finally, when I when I think about ourselves internally, we have to be aware of the excuses that men come up with to stay ignorant. And those excuses of like, oh, I'm just not a reader. Or, well, I go to Mass on Sundays. Isn't that enough? Why do I have to pray every single day? Or, God loves me just, just the way I am. And, right, and right. you know, and he doesn't. And and we got to be careful of this. This is all Satan's tricks um, being thrown at us. Because the moment that we start turning ourselves off and 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 selfishly not allowing the Spirit in every moment of our day is the moment that we fall into sin, and then that sin just grows deeper and deeper, and we become dead, um, spiritually speaking. So, Yeah, I agree. Ignorance is related to ignoring, you know, mm. and and I think that we can easily ignore what is actually going to bring us health. I mean, I can I can say that gosh, I'm tired of being sick and I'm I'm tired of not feeling healthy, but choose to eat the wrong things, choose not to exercise and all that. And I, you could say, well, no one ever taught me how to do that particular exercise. No one ever taught me the right types of food to eat. Well, you can learn, you know. And and I think that that's really key here because to choose not to learn, to choose not to engage, to choose not to try, you have made a choice. And uh, I, you know, I, I was giving a theology body seminar years ago and it was all these old guys that showed up for it. It was like super humiliating. Right. And, but it was very amazing because I think it was by session, maybe four, there was like a open discussion Q and a, and the guys started talking about their experiences early on in marriage where the wife had a child or two children and they would go to confession to a priest and say, hey, my wife's wigged out. And the priest would say, well, you can get a vasectomy. Mm. And these guys were telling their stories through tears where they they went forward with the vasectomy because father so-and-so told them. And yet 30 years later, they're weeping because they regret it and wish they had more children. And they all said, and this is very interesting, each of them, their stories were so similar, but each of them said, I knew it was wrong. I just felt it. I knew it, but I chose not to investigate it any more than what father, you know, being pastoral said. So we do this all the time, whether it's, I remember just the whole idea of the Sabbath, you know, working on the Sabbath. I was, I was, I bought a house and I wanted to paint my house. And I remember going to confession. I think, I don't know, I'm working on Sunday. And the priest said, well, do you like it? Do you like painting your house? I'm like, well, I like the result. And he's like, oh, you're okay. You know? And, and, you know, and, and then I did a little more yeah. investigating, you know, I did a little more research and I found out I was committing a mortal sin. And that's why really I was closing myself from off the Lord. And it was so true because everything was falling apart. I mean, I got off the ladder. I literally stepped in the bucket and I'm hopping around the, you know, the front lawn with a foot in the bucket, you know, I did mean, you say like, it was red I, too. That's perfect. Yeah. color. Yeah. <laughs> it was, so I, yeah. just the thing is, is when we choose to do it our way without mm -hmm. actually investigating what is God's way, we choose to remain in ignorance and, and it's so easy to say, well, it's not my fault. No one ever showed me the way. Well, sometimes we have to, because a lot rides on this. And I know I've talked a lot here, but a lot rides on this because the ignorant who are choosing to be ignorant are not in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is huge. 
You know, so we really need, hey, if you want to fix your toilet, you're getting on a YouTube video. You know, if you want to figure out how to have green grass, you're figuring out what chemicals you're studying online. If you want to have a great life, you need to investigate the Christian faith, the Catholic faith. You know, you need to go to Christ and read his word and pray on it and rather than remain in ignorance. So I think, yeah, the birds of the air, they want us, and this is the key, the birds of the air, Satan and his minions, they want us to remain in the comfort of temptation mm. because that's what entraps us in ignorance. This feels good. I like the consolation I'm getting here. And I don't really want to, I don't really want to try. I don't want to actually cut out some of this bad stuff. So I'm going to remain in that temptation. And therefore I cannot hear that vox, that word of God. I can't get that seed. Mm. Two things that you said that I'd like to come and talk just a little bit more about. I've never said these words or thought about this, but what I'm hearing from you is ignorance of conscience, right? Your conscience was telling you the right or those men that you were talking about, but they chose to be ignorant. Yes. That is such a great statement. And I think if we all paused and reflected on those moments in our lives and those hiccups, those temptations that we hung out in, um, knowing that, well, maybe, and justifying, uh, and then, and then talking to a friend who wasn't any more knowledgeable in this, the subject matter as uh, that we were, or unfortunately, and this is the truth of our time, talking to a priest that just gave us that open door, we, we kind of, we get a write-off. And I, I mean, yes, it's true, right? You were probably, you know, maybe not culpable for, for that mortal sin. But that being said, you know, a sin of the conscience is just as bad, um, if not more so than, um, you know, than some of these other ones that we're bringing up. And so that is a very fascinating conversation that truly I'm just reflecting on right now is this, this idea of um, ignoring our conscience when our conscience is directing us. And, and we see this in, in 1 Corinthians, right? I, I needed to look this up here. But I, brethren, could not address you as spiritual men, but as men mm. of the flesh, as babes in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And then here's the zinger, and even yet you are not ready. And like, mm -hmm. that's what we're talking wow. about. Ignorant, right? Like people can choose to be ignorant for ages to come. And um, because they just love staying in that temptation and they, they don't love that. That's not a right way of saying it. I'm sorry, I'm going to correct myself. They don't love that, but actually having to work and put forth the effort takes courage, takes perseverance, takes resiliency, takes humility. And these sort of things um, aren't as alluring as the comfort and the convenience of just staying in the way we are. Well said. I love how you phrased this idea of choosing to reject my conscience. That's huge because when you're re rejecting the conscience, you're rejecting the voice of God working there, right? That's really powerful. And I do think, you know, we could hit the pause button and reflect on that in all the ways that we do this. But let's just say this, this is how false ideologies gain their power and rise and dominate the world mm -hmm. is because we don't listen to our conscience. We refuse to check it. We play the ignorant guy. People are talking about transgenderism. People are talking about this or that. They're talking about these false ideas. This is what happened in Nazi Germany. 
you know, with the Nazis is that, you know, this sounds a little bit weird. The Jews are the people who are evil because they're aligning with the Western world. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we should alienate them. Well, I, you know, I, who am I to say anything about that? Yeah. But my conscience is like, well, no, that doesn't sound right, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to speak out. It's the silent man that allows the serpent to enter the garden. Mm-hmm. It's a silent man that he la- lays, he, he, he faults at his post and he allows the ideology to warp everything and warp his world because to, as Rush, the rock band, to choose yeah. to not to make a choice, you have made that choice, right? That, yeah. That's the, the whole thing. That's what ignorance does. It allows Hitler's. It allows Stalin's, it allows false ideologies of our age, identity ideologies to crush the family and the church. This Mm. is what's at stake. That's right. Amen. I completely agree. And so, men, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about how to avoid ignorance, but obviously I think we should just briefly is that we need to be talking about your prayer life, right? You have to have that prayer life. Be cautious. I'm going to just throw this out here because we're talking about conscience triple guess yourself if you ever try and say, well, my conscience told me to do this. If that ever kind of comes out as a way of justifying something contrary to the church's teachings, you're in error. And you need to, you're either using the conscience card as a trump card and sinning in that, or you need to go back to the drawing board and continue learning and figure out where it is that the church in her 2000 years of wisdom is not off, but you in your 40 years likely are. And, um, and so I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that because I, that's come up frequently too, with you've mentioned transgenderism or, or these, these sort of ideas of same sex marriage and things like that. When you hear theologians or Catholic priests and stuff like that, they'll come out with that whole, well, my conscience is directing me to this and, thinking you're um, missing the missing your conscience here. Your conscience is calling you to face the demon of selfishness square on. Because that's because that's where the con- the conscience is saying, "Whoa, this is super selfish or super super self protecting because you don't want to say anything or I don't want to try at this." You got to Face that demon of selfishness square on. And that's what the consciousness, conscience, our conscience that God is informing is calling us to do every time. And that's where the liberality, the true liberality, the true freedom, the true power, all that comes from that. It's like exercising a muscle. Once you do that, once you use your conscience to face the demon square on once, then twice, then eventually you become a man of power. Wow. Yeah, no, I love it. And so I guess uh, I'm wanting to come back to this idea of what it is that we as men need to be doing to avoid ignorance. Um, St. Benedict and his rule of life, that was one thing that had to be done every day is spiritual reading. There had to be some sort of spiritual reading. It was outside of prayer. And I think that that's really important, right? There's work, there's leisure, there's prayer, and there's spiritual reading. And in that spiritual reading, it just five, 10 minutes, right? Definitely don't, it doesn't, take the place of prayer. And I think we're going to talk about that later on, but um, these are really important things to, to constantly reprioritize your life. If getting better at these things and better understanding your faith is not near the top of the list. And so that's what I'd like to say. Uh, Any additional thoughts, Devin, on ways of avoiding ignorance? I just think, Hey, if you're, if you're wanting, if you're wanting to battle ignorance, study Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's super simple. Study Jesus. Study his life. 
study what he said. It, it's just that simple because if you do, you will become like him. That's, you know, and, and yes, the Catholic faith has done this for the last 2000 years, you know? So, Absolutely. so powerful. Yeah, it is great. So going on to the next one, I think the second one is incredibly important and hopefully we'll be able to break out some nuances for this one as well. And that one is fear, right? The fear of the unknown of, of God, you know, making me change in a way that I don't want to change or, you know, what's it going to cost me? These are all sorts of things. And, and I want to lead with this uh, Chesterton quote here where most modern freedom is at root fear. It is not so much that we are too bold to endure rules. It is rather that we are too timid to endure responsibilities. And so I know I got to the end there with that quote at the beginning, but I thought it was just such a great one to, to set the stage here because uh, when we're talking about fear, you know, we're not talking about holy fear, which is, is rooted in wonder and awe and love of God. We're talking about fear of not getting what you want, fear of the unknown, right? And that can be a very legitimate concern. So don't, don't get me wrong. When we're looking at, um, our own lives and the anxieties and worries that are within our own lives, uh, fear is is always at the root of those mm. um, those concerns. Is that what if God isn't going to take care of me on this? What if He's not going to love me as a loving Father? And and I, and then I'll I'll just say that it's it's a misunderstanding of God, and that's an opportunity for us to recalibrate how we understand God the Father and who God the Father is. And because if we if we just focus, right, Devin, if we just focus on um, God as somebody who's exacting, as doesn't have our best interests in mind, doesn't love us more than we love ourselves, <laughs> doesn't right. um, want uh, uh, true greatness for each of us, then then we're not going to want to devote ourselves to him. We're not going to want to empty ourselves to be filled mm. by him. So, yeah, let's just hit that. I'd love to just focus right there on what you said. St. Peter says this, that we shall become partakers in the divine nature. Okay. What does that mean? God wills that we will partake in his divine nature, that we will become like him, divinized. Jesus says, Father, I pray that they may become one just as you and I are one. God wants us to become one with him. And St. John, I think in the first epistle says that when we see him, we will become like him. This is the plan of God. We must get that through our, our brains, into our brains and into our soul, actually. And we must, that's where we need to work from is this generosity, this goodness of God that he wants us to become like him. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and but back to the framework here, you know, there's a seed that falls by the wayside. Oh, great. And, yes. And it's stolen. So we got ignorance. You know, that's to remain in temptation. Then we move to this idea of fear, which is intimidation. Okay. And so that's the seed that falls on the rocky ground and it begins to, it begins to come up. But what happens, Jesus says, is the sun, it, it scorches it out before it can actually strike root. And he says, when he explains the parable later on, he says the sun that scorches out is like the fire of persecution. You know, it's persecution and pain, sufferings and setbacks. And we see this with Adam in the garden. Here it is, the Nahash, the beast, the serpent enters the garden and, he, and, and Adam is supposed to step into the breach, yet mm. he refuses. Why? He's intimidated. He's fearful. And this is very interesting. What is he afraid of? Is, it, is he afraid of taking the devil head on? Maybe. But I think more importantly, he's afraid of losing her, of Eve. And this is very interesting. The devil comes through that which he loves to pose the temptation of loss 
to intimidate him, to cause him to fear. Okay. So I think that this is big for a lot of us. Yes. There are so many times where it's, I'll just say, you know, I think we talked about this before, afraid to say, God bless you to someone, you know, yeah. or, yeah. hey, is there anything I can pray for, for you? You know, I mean, those right there, you know, are huge evangelization tools, you know, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for, you know, um, hey, God bless you, you know, and, it, but, but we're just so, we're so afraid of rocking the boat. You know, so, and then also when we get in these conversations with our neighbors or people, and they're just talking about what the world is doing as though it's normal. And yet you're like, well, wait a minute. I know deep down that isn't normal. And yet we don't pipe up and charitably offer an, uh, an alternative view. Yeah. We're, we're being intimidated. We're, we're buying into the whole fear factor. Yeah, no, so true. Um, I think something that's coming up while we're talking here is, it's kind of the foundation. You brought up the world a couple times, and this foundation that Satan has done such an excellent job to instill fear within us, and it's that self-reliance. Mm. We brought that up on a couple episodes ago. You brought up that that self-reliance, that surrender, that self-reliance. And I I think we've been taught that we've been taught to the all the mantras of the world, right? Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, be who you want to be. Dream big, and don't mm. let others get in the way. And mm. You know, if you if you if you um, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself, right? And we've all heard these mantras, and we've eventually, if you're like me, you came to believe them, and you came to accept them, and for years, right? So for maybe even decades, and so that's that that's that misfoundation, that's that sandy ground or that mm -hmm. rocky ground, even that that where um, you know our faith life is being rooted in and and as such that can't protect you when suffering and trials and temptations and tribulations hit you it can't it doesn't have the depth it doesn't have so then what we do is we're already been filled with anxiety we're already having to take our anti-anxiety medicine and things like that and and we're if you're like me reading father jacques philippe's book searching for and maintaining peace <laughs> like a dozen times and i have right because i knew those mantras had set in so deeply and so mm. it, it is it's a real work here men to to first be aware that fear is affecting you figure out why it's affecting you like that where were the roots in your own life and then work to transform it work to really empty yourself and work to grow in faith that's that opportunity and maybe your opportunity to grow in faith is exponentially bigger than somebody else's because of your past and because of how that has has uh, set root in you but i think it's spot on that that like you were saying that the burdens and temptations and struggles in life aren't seen as opportunities from a loving God, but rather as something to be afraid of because they're not letting me live and be and exist the way that I want to live, be, and exist. So God wants to test you to perfect you. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. We've talked about this before, but it's so important that we understand this, that the testing isn't arbitrary. And, and I think that this is important. How, when is the test really going to come? It's when you draw that line in the sand and do not plead ignorance any longer. And you do not bow down that you're, you're not bowing down the temptations anymore. But then the devil says, oh, I can't get him with temptation. 
Yeah. I can't get him with ignorance. So what I'm going to do is I'm try, I'm going to try to get him with intimidation. I'm going to intimidate the hell out of him. Yeah. And 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 so this is where we draw the line in the sand and we say, okay, this is the line. You cross this line, I'm standing up for this truth. Why? This is so important. Why do we have the faith that we have today? Why do we have the truth that we can lean on today? Because men precisely did that. They didn't plead ignorance. They didn't stay in temptation and they refused to be intimidated. And they said, fine, you can take my flesh. You can take my blood. You can take everything from me, but you will not take my soul. I'm drawing the line in the sand and this is what I stand up for and I believe it. And then this is what carries on and echoes throughout the ages. What we do in life echoes in eternity as it, you know, it says in Gladiator, the movie. Yeah, but that's yeah. the point. We must draw the line in the sand here. And, and that's when your life becomes an adventure. That's yeah. when things become great. And you just put, boldly proclaim the truth. Quit lying. Quit lying to yourself. Quit lying to others just to fit in. Quit avoiding the truth. That's the same thing as lying, basically. Just be who you're called to be. And man, let everyone else deal with that. Amen. No, I think that's great. And if you're rooted in the love of Christ, if you're rooted in your spiritual life and you're rooted in this combat, uh, you're capable of doing that. You're capable of being victorious. So when we were just talking, I did think immediately of the story of St. John of the Cross, which is something that I read not too long ago recently. And that's why it's just fresh mm -hmm. in my mind. But if you don't know the story, I'm going to try and briefly tell it, right? So St. John of the Cross uh, was instructed or charged with uh, reforming the Carmelite order that had gotten lax in their discipline, that had gotten um, lukewarm in their beliefs and in their habits. And so St. John of the Cross <laughs> set forth with... Literally. Uh, yes, exactly. He set forth with, with deep prayer and deep ascetical practices and a passionate love for Christ and commitment to doing the will of God. What happened was his brothers were his brothers, Carmelite brothers. I just want to reemphasize that. Not his, <laughs> not his biological brothers, um, but his those that had professed vows and were Carmelites themselves were so put off by his challenge mm. to him. By they were so set in their temptations and their mm. lukewarmness that we were talking about. That what did they do? Is they imprisoned him in a tower. They imprisoned their brother in a tower, locked him in a room for seven months with very little light, right? I think it's just one very slit, you know, um, window that was up high. So he was in darkness mm. for seven months. And then because they were jerks, they wanted to <laughs> attack him mentally too. So Why they don't you would, say what you really think? <laughs> so they would outside his door... And men, think about the struggles in your life and compare it to this. So they would, outside his door, uh, say things along the lines of like, yeah, tomorrow we're going to we're gonna kill him. Tomorrow he's going to be hung so that we don't have to deal with him and feed him anymore. And the, finally, this is going to be done. Knowing that that wasn't the case, but just so that they could torment him over the night. Intimidation. Uh, intimidation, exactly, um, to, to get, break him down mentally. So... He literally, as the story goes on, right, he removed the pins from the door and he found a way of escaping. Um, he uh, literally tied a rope together, just like a fictional story, but he did uh, rope together of his garments and, and um, um, bed linens and stuff so that he could scale down the wall. And he ran across to the uh, convent with the, where the women, Carmelites, were there. And they said that he looked like a dead man. Mm. And here's the whole point of the story is they were mm. singing in their hymns uh, when he arrived. And in one of the hymns, 
he was hearing, and I'm not going to get the hymn right. I need to look it up and put it in the show notes here. But in the hymn, he heard that um, love without suffering is not love, and that it is the pains of suffering that are the clothes of love. And he started weeping because mm. he realized that for the mm. last seven months, God was closer to him than he could have ever possibly realized. And the only reason I bring this all up here is if he had allowed fear to set deep root and to remove his faith, he would have died or he would have abandoned um, his mission and his call. And now St. John of the Cross is a doctor of the church. Um, he is a saint in heaven and he is somebody that on the Catholic Gentleman podcast, we can talk about. <laughs> and uh, well, well, there's icing on the cake on that story because he went back <clears throat> where he died. He chose to be with those people who tortured him. Ugh. He chose to die with those people around him. Wow. That's amazing. Talk about talk about refusing to be intimidated. You know, think about this on a practical level. <clears throat> you know, you attend masses where there's no kneeler, everybody's standing, right? I can't tell you how many times, you know, back in the day, you know, receiving on the knees and being rebuked, yelled at. You know, I was in Hawaii one time and a woman literally threw the Eucharist at me. Oh. I, I literally, I literally had to lick it off of the floor like a dog because she she was so upset that I was on my knees and I was receiving on my tongue. <clears throat> but but all I'm saying here is that we're gonna be intimidated. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be intimidated in the church. We're going to be intimidated outside the church. Or at least the devil is going to try to. We are not to back down. Mm. We are Because the, the, what it really boils down to is John of the Cross loved Jesus. And that was the line in the sand for him. He was like, I love Jesus. And there is nothing that's going to deter me from loving him. Not even death. And Maximilian Colby, you know, all the saints. Oh, Maximilian Colby, yeah. So that's what we need to be like the love for Jesus Christ must be so intense that we're like, no intimidation is going to stop me from loving him. Amen. So, mm. Oh, it's so good. And I think that men, if you're listening, it's liberating. I'm just going to say that if you're a high achiever, if you're somebody who is, um, you know, really driving towards success, but they're, you're constantly worried about, um, letting yourself completely go 100% to God, it is liberating to do so. When when the world doesn't depend on you, and uh, St. John Henry Newman, I I always I brought this up on previous episodes that in his Apologia, he, he mentioned that when he finally converted to Catholicism, how liberated he was because his opinion finally did not matter. <laughs> and, um, and, and it is. So there is, right. there is so much grace and so much possibility to remove your dreams and set your eyes on doing the will of God and following him and becoming like Christ, knowing Christ and becoming like Christ, do away with ignorance, do away with fear and be, be flint faced, be focused on, on your, um, your growth and holiness. Uh, everything starts falling into place. Yeah. And the key with that, with the dreams, you know, you said something about sacrificing your dreams the Lord will either give you new dreams or he will give you those dreams in the proper order. And they will be far more fulfilling than anything you could have dreamed of before. And I know that from my own life, I lived a hedonistic life for 24 years, trying to live my dream, yeah. you know, and new dreams were given and new dreams were fulfilled. Amazing. You know, amazing. Anyway, maybe Absolutely. we should get to the third, the third one, huh? 
So what I want to do before we jump on to the third point here is if you're listening to the public version, we are going to jump on to the question next. If you want to get the entire thing where we talk about distraction and we talk about isolation and those enemies to the faith, head over to catholicgentlemanplus.com. You can uh, see that extended edition plus all of our sessions that we're coming out with every month. And uh, we, we're grateful for you uh, seeing you in there. Awesome. So let's answer this question that we have from a listener. How does that sound? Sounds great. So if you have a question for us and you like um, hearing our answers, send it to podcast at catholicgentleman.com. <laughs> we love uh, answering these questions, getting these questions. Today's question is from Nick, who is pursuing a career in medicine. So let's listen to what he has um, to ask of us. As a graduate student studying for a career in medicine, I am constantly confronted with the ideal that to be successful in such a rigorous profession, I will need to dedicate the majority of my time to my career. As a Catholic man, however, I also feel called to pursue the vocation of married life. Many doctors I encounter seem to have very poor family lives. One even told me to find a woman who doesn't mind never seeing you at home. I love the career I have chosen, but how should I begin to balance work and family life? Also, how can I prioritize my future wife while also having a career? Wow. So that was a great question. There's a lot to that question. And neither Devin or I have um, our PhDs or our MDs. So <laughs> no, that being said, I think there's a lot of presumptions here. Mm -hmm. I appreciate this concern, and I'm glad that you brought it up. I think there's a lot of presumptions um, uh, that the two are somehow, it has to be an either or, right? You, you can't um, have a successful career in medicine and a thriving family. Well, if that's the case, you have to choose your family. Um, but that's not the case. And I'll admit that I know two people, one who's been on this show, Dr. Jeffrey LaCour, phenomenal man. He's an otolaryngologist. You say that 10 times fast. Um, he, uh, If you're listening to this, Nick, send me another message and I will put you in touch with him. This man is phenomenal. He has six kids. I admire him greatly. I also know there, another close... Um, relationship, um, a man that I love in life as well. And he's an anesthesiologist. He also has six kids. But I will say that in talking to both of them, when I was reflecting on this question, they both had to make sacrifices to their career for the sake of their families. So for an instance, the anesthesiologist had to choose a job that was more anesthesiology, you know, eight to five, eight to six. And he did that intentionally so that he could still be an anesthesiologist, but it wasn't going to be all the open heart surgeries, all the open brain surgeries, et cetera, that could happen at any time, you know, transplants and things like that, because he knew what that could do to his family. But he's incredibly edified. He's a phenomenal man, and he has a lot of success in his career. Uh, Dr. Jeff LaCour, I'm sure he has uh, similar stories and, uh, and, and again, is an incredible man that I admire. So uh, that's one of the first things that I'll state. The second thing, just to be honest uh, to you, is, is this what God wants in your life, right? We're talking about the will of God constantly. And is this what God wants in your life? And I tell you what, if God is calling you to marriage and you find um, a woman and you decide to have children... We just got to be real with you. That's your vocation. That's your primary. That's your number one. It doesn't matter what your career is. I've got a lot of jobs. I do a lot of stuff. But if ever they encroach upon 
my uh, family life, it, my wife was going to let me know. And it's a time to hit that reset button because as St. Alphonsus, doctor of moral theology states, when you die and go before the throne of God as a father, that's what he's going to be judging you on is how well you raised your children, how well you guided your family and your domestic church and took care of them. And so I don't want to be too harsh, but I do want to be honest in the sense that, um, you know, we have to reflect on where our priorities are. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not married and you don't have kids. So you haven't been able to experience that overwhelming joy that that is. Um, but, um, and I was driven, incredibly driven. And so um, I get where you're coming at, but I appreciate that question. Hopefully those give you some thoughts um, to to reflect on. Maybe, maybe it's just the, like whoever said, find a woman who doesn't mind never seeing you at home. Um, maybe, maybe they're speaking from a place of, <clears throat> of regret and pain and justification themselves. Because I know quite a few Catholic doctors, I didn't name, I know at least five family practice doctors and a couple phenomenal OBGYNs that are Catholic with large families and committed and being able to do both. So uh, I also live in Texas, so maybe that has something to do with it too, as they all no. came here. But um, all right, no. Devin, yeah, what are your thoughts to that question? <clears throat> John, you are driven, but you've made yeah. the choice to be driven by the Lord, you know? Amen. So, I mean, that's the key He's here the with this. And, and so, I mean, yes, this this option, okay, so you've got the desire in your heart. You've got a desire to be a doctor and you've got a desire to be married. Good. Those desires are good in themselves. And those desires most likely are from God if they're truly good. And if the, and so God is using those desires to draw you day by day to step through those doors to pursue them. And then as you step through those doors, God will either close a door and open up a new one or not. And this is the whole idea of discernment is a lot of times we like to plan way ahead and we, we want to have our whole life mapped out for us, yeah. but that's not the adventure Christ has for us. Mm. So what he is saying is, look, just have your banners. What is it that you really believe in? Is, is Jesus your all? Then that's your banner. Is your occupation to be at the service of your vocation? Make that your banner. Is marriage the trailhead of the family and society? Make that your banner. And if those are your banners, then you keep those in priority, you'll be fine. I do also know a lot of great doctors who are very successful in their practice, but they're also successful in their marriage. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of them are daily mass goers. Yeah. Where do they get the time to go to daily mass? Wow. I think that's the key. So, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you want to be successful in your practice and your marriage, go to daily mass. Amen. Where, where you think you have no time, make time for God. He'll make time for you. He'll multiply your efforts. He'll multiply your time. You'll be one of the greatest doctors out there. Follow your desires in a proper way. Follow the Lord's lead where he's using those desires to lead you. Have your banners. But if you're going to get into this, you need a power that's beyond you. Go to mass daily. I love it. Wow. Well stated, Devin. So Nick, thank you for your question. Again, if you're listening to this and you have any questions for us, send them over to uh, podcast at catholicgentleman.com. We go through them and we'd love to answer it on a show in the future here. So now is the time for the episode of Putting on the New Man. And we wanted to talk specifically about distractions. And so I'm going to mm -hmm. pass it over to you, Devin, <laughs> and talk about those areas of distractions that we talked about um, at the at the beginning and, and what we as men can do, practically speaking, taking that theology we talked about at the beginning of the episode and bringing it down into the practical to become better men. Yeah, God wants you to operate from a place of faith and a place of trust so that you can bear great fruit in your life. That seed can bear great fruit. So 
the practice for this week is identify your list of distractions. You know, I've got those six P's where there's many that can fall in those categories. Identify the things you know are distracting you from your ultimate attraction. Then just pick one. (laughs) Start small, uber small. Pick that one distraction and then say, okay, Lord, I'm sacrificing this on the altar to you. Now, I'm also going to fill that void so Satan doesn't return. I'm going to fill that void with the habit that I'm supposed to do that's going to solidify that attraction, that divine attraction. So, for example, you're watching Netflix, you're binging on Netflix three nights a week. Remove that out and replace that with maybe family prayer time or maybe your own personal spiritual reading time or whatever it is. And then that's how you change. And then over time, you do that enough, pretty soon you have a brand new life. I mean, it's amazing. So it is. It's just cutting out the crap. Sorry. It's cutting out the crap and it's allowing the Lord in and take space and place in your life, you know? And and it's interesting, sorry, but God gave Adam dominion. And that word for dominion in the Hebrew is radah, which literally means to prevail against. We have to prevail against ourselves. And this is how you do it. Find those distractions, take that out, put in an attraction, boom. Yeah, no, I love it. And I would just add to this, man, <clears throat> is that uh, there's something Father um, Kevin Majors talked about. I brought up um, previously, but it's um, you need to strategize. That's that one thing that we're talking about. Just that one small thing. We strategize and then we need traction. When traction sets in, we have momentum and it just goes. Mm-hmm. If traction doesn't set in, don't give up re-strategize, figure out what it was that you did differently. Maybe it's you wanted to read one book a week and that didn't work. And so now you shift it and now it's like, you know what? I'm just going to read 15 minutes a day. And maybe you still struggle to do that. Maybe it's the time of day you're trying to get in that 15 minutes, right? Re-strategize until traction sets in. Once traction sets in, then momentum takes off. And that's how change can set. Yeah. And I would add prioritize, then strategize. There you go. Then get that traction. And then that motion, an object that is in motion stays in motion. But I think prioritize, figure right. out what 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 it is you're shooting for. Get your it. target. I love it. Well, Devin, thanks so much for this uh, conversation. Listeners, thanks so much for joining us. And as we end each of our episodes, be a man, be a saint. <laughs>